Welcome to the Access VFX podcast. Pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Welcome to episode 42 of the Access VFX podcast. This week's episode is part of our link up with the film and TV charity with the Spider-Man Behind the Web tweet along and fundraiser on the 6th of August, which showcases visual effects in particular. In case you don't know them, the charity was founded in 1924 and supports those who work behind the scenes from production and post, creators and crew through distribution and exhibition, including a 24-7 confidential support line for anyone in the industry. We all know that the current pandemic has had a devastating impact on the industry. In April, the film and TV charity gave a 3.1 million pounds in support grants that helped nearly 2,000 people working behind the scenes in UK film, TV and cinema in urgent need due to COVID-19. The crisis is far from over and the charity is now fundraising to be able to support those worst hit and most at risk of leaving the industry, especially the industry's young and diverse talent. If you can, please text film to 70507 to donate just five pounds to the film and TV charity. You will be charged five pounds for standard rate message and the charity receives 100% of the donation. So that's what we're here to discuss. We're here with these lovely gentlemen here, admittedly not the most diverse group of people, but lovely people nonetheless. So um, let's hand over and let's do some introductions. So you all know who I am. So who are you guys? Uh, let's go with who you are, what you do and um, what uh, what uh, how, what you did on the movie well hello so i'm uh, alexi weisbrot uh, i'm a vfx supervisor at framestore where i've been working for the past uh, 11 years now so it's been a long time and uh, on spider-man i was vfx supping a sequence called the illusion battle uh, the sequence that happened in Berlin, basically, which uh, involve a lot of illusion, of course. It's showing the power of uh, Mysterio, who is actually a VFX artist, and it's showing his power. So we, we go with Spider-Man into, a, into a, a roller coaster of different illusions, uh, playing with the fears of Spider-Man. Very, very creative, crazy sequence. Uh, that we had to do, which was only like 140, 150 shots in total, but uh, it was a, an insane creative ride with the studio. So, so that's what we've done. Excellent. Thanks, Alexis. Cool. I'm Julian Foddy, although everybody calls me Jules, um, and I'm a VFX suit from Industrial Light and Magic. Um, so on Spider-Man, um, ILM, uh, the sequences we looked after, which I was VFX souping, were really the, the kind of bookends of the movie. The first, see, the first main sequence, the charity event, um, and then the final sequence, which when we were working on it, we had no idea it actually straddled the credits, uh, which is the, the swinging with MJ through New York. Um, two very, very different sequences. And there was actually another sequence that we worked on in the, in the middle of the movie, uh, which we took to completion. And then unfortunately, a couple of weeks before the, the sort of the final cut, it dropped out of the movie, but it did appear on the Blu-ray. Um, and in the, the extended edition, which appeared at Memorial Weekend in the cinema. So three sequences overall, and three very, very different kind of creative challenges. Um, and that's something that, you know, during the, the tweet along that I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, um, talking about sort of, you know, some of the processes we went through and the decision-making that we had to do. Brilliant. Thank you, Jules. Next up. Hello, my name is James Burr, and I am a lead and supervisor at The Third Floor. I've been there for about eight years actually ever since I left university so it's actually been my only home <laughs> apart from a very brief stint at Framestore as a runner that's where it kind of started for me and I've obviously slowly worked my way up to where I am now um, on Spider-Man Far From Home it was actually my first ever role as a lead artist so for me this was a, a massive jump up especially being a massive Spider-Man fan as a kid and obviously there's pictures of me in Spider-Man pajamas and that. So now getting to work on this as my first lead role was a very exciting prospect. Um, obviously at the third floor, we obviously we had a large team um, based at the studio and we worked on the charity event, obviously in New York. We worked on the Molten Man fight 
the Hydra-Man fight and, of course, the third act, which was the London battle. So there was a lot to kind of get through. Uh, usually when we work on a big show, you're used to kind of like maybe one or two large sequences to work through. We had four. Uh, so it was a challenge, especially in the time that was given to us because we were there pretty much a few weeks before the shoot started and we had to have everything ready to go, ready for them to start actually physically shooting it all. So it was an exciting time and it was definitely my favorite show I've probably ever been on. So hopefully whoever's watching this, if they've uh, been on a show that I worked on, I'm sorry, uh, but <laughs> Spider-Man definitely uh, is the winner for me. So, okay. but like I said, we'll, we'll talk more about the, the previews that we did uh, later on in the uh, show. Okay. Thank you for having us. No, thank you, James. Brilliant. We'll come back to why it was your favourite as well later, like you say. So, uh, Paul, last but not least. Okay, um, my name's Paul Fulker. I'm um, co-owner and creative director of a company called Proof, which is another previous company. Um, we worked on um, a lot less sequences than Third Floor. We did one called The Illusion Battle, which uh, Alexis was talking about earlier on. Um, uh, and we did one called The Illusion Rehearsal, which was uh, Mysterio rehearsing some of his tricks and, and whatnot for, for later on in the movie. Um, uh, and we had quite a small team on it. We are, our office is actually based at Leaveston Studios, so we weren't in with the production. The third floor guys were in with the production. We were based over the road in our office, and then every few days we'd pop over and have a coffee and, and show um, Yannick and Cindy what we've been up to in the directors sometimes so yeah we were popping in in and out we were like a part-time force yeah it was, and that was quite unusual for us because we are used to being you know in the production offices with the with the production but they were full <laughs> <laughs> excellent um, so before we get into uh, the first few questions that I've got um, one of the uh, the steers I got from the charity was um, kind of a bit of jargon busting so my job on this episode is going to be pointing out a few kind of roles and a few terms that maybe some of our listening audience or the, the people who will be following along who are interested in careers in visual effects might not know. The first obvious one, which I'm going to get you to dispel first up, is what is a VFX or visual effects supervisor? So that was mentioned a couple of times. So what, what, how, how would you break that down to the, uh, the uneducated or the uh, people who don't know what it is? Well, I guess that falls to me or, me or Alexis to talk about this one. I'll, I'll go first if that's okay. Well, I, I guess a visual effects supervisor's role is to, uh, to you know, creatively oversee everything that, that's, uh, that's happening on a project. Um, and, and there are various levels of visual effects supervisor on the project. So we were all working for a guy called Yannick Sers, who was the, the production visual effects supervisor. He works directly for Marvel. And he's the one who liaises directly with the director and the, and the, the Marvel production team to kind of you know, realize the, the, their creative vision uh, and everything that needs to be done as a visual effect. And then every, uh, what we call a vendor, every, every company that works on the movie, so ILM for myself and Framestore for Alexi, has, normally has a visual effects supervisor who reports directly to Yannick and then manages the work that, um, that the, 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 the team does. Um, and it, you know, you, you, it's from a creative standpoint, you kind of have to try and be a little bit of an expert at everything. You, you're, you're required to judge why images don't look real, why sort of you know, why animation works or doesn't work, whether a physics-looking simulation is behaving correctly or not. So you um, you have to spend a lot of time looking at a lot of reference and try and be a bit of an expert on everything. Sometimes successfully, not always, but you know it's all a learning process. Nicely put, Jules. Anybody else want to add to that? The role of the VFX suit. Well, well, I think I think it's a very good summary of what the VFX should be supposed to do. But of course. He's surrounded by a, by a huge team of artists, of leads, of CG supervisor, which is inside of the, in charge of the 3D, a 2D supervisor, which is in charge of the 2D, leads in every department, an animation supervisor. So he's not on his own, but he's the one that is going to present the work that ILM for Jules or, or, or Framestore for me presents the work to Yannick try to sell it sometime. Uh, so you need as well selling quality sometime. Uh, and, and as well, the, the one that is going to say if it's good enough to show to Yannick, to show to, to, to Marvel. So trying to push the look always and trying to, to understand what Yannick, what John Watts, the director, really wants for the second season. And trying to, and especially on a show like Spidey, which was very, very creative, 
I think trying to push it further, trying to involve different departments, our departments, it's really pushing the look of the images and making the life of the CG supervisor very hard because we want something really, really hard to do in a very, very little amount of time. So making the life of people hard, basically. Excellent. That's good. That's a, that's a skill set in itself, isn't it? Um, another term that you used in your introductions um, was lead. So, um, so for example, George, you talked about being a lead and supervisor. Um, for example, James, you talked about being a lead artist. So what, does, um, what do we mean by a lead in, in, in our industry? I mean, so I think when we worked on Spider-Man, obviously we had a, a huge team and we have obviously massive sequences to get through. So usually obviously your supervisor, especially in previs, um, we'd obviously have a previs supervisor um, and he would like, like the VFX supervisor oversee everything to do with the previs. And along with that, because there is so much going on and there's so much to kind of for the previous supervisor to take in, whether it's meetings with the editorial directors, being down on set or see delegating other work, sometimes they need other people that they can almost help lead the team yeah. to obviously get them over the line, really, and get sequences going and in the right place. It's almost like you're, the way I would describe it, it's almost like a second in command in a way. Um, I'm not trying to make that sound better than it is, but it's, it feels like that because, for example, on our show, well, when we were on Spider-Man, so obviously I was the lead artist for mainly the London battle, mm -hmm. um, but we also had a fantastic lead artist called Andrew who did the uh, Hydra Man and a bit of the Molten Man. So the way it would usually work with that is it worked really well because Javier, who was our supervisor, would focus on one particular area. I could focus on the London area, Andrew on the, um, the obviously the Venice stuff and the Prague stuff. It just really helped to kind of keep that continuity with the same artist. You understand what's going on in the sequence you can quickly adapt to any problems that obviously occur. Mm. Um, so I would, yeah, I mean, to sum it up, obviously that was quite broad, but I think a lead artist is just essentially someone there to help the supervisor and help manage their team of artists. Okay. I, I think, I think leading, is a different word in the world of VFX from Jules and myself than in the world of previs like third floor and, and proof. Uh, leads for us because, because we have multiple departments. Previs artists are more generalists. They do animation and modeling and texture and they try to make a shot looks, looks amazing. I think for us in VFX, we are very, very department based. So a VFX sup is in charge is a generalist in charge of the overall look of the image, the final look, but under that, there is a CG sup in CG, for example, and then there is a lead pair department. So you are going to have a lead modeling, a lead animation, a lead texture, a lead lighting, a lead. So you have multiple departments and, and he's in charge of his team. So for example, in FX, there is going to be a team of maybe 10 FX TD, but there will be one lead that's in charge of just the FX for us at Framestore or at ALM. So slightly different because for us, it's a bit more department for, for, um, for James, it's, it's a bit more of a generalist role. Yeah, there's a, a slight difference with ILM as well, really. The way, the term, you know, what I would normally term a, a lead, uh, as opposed to somebody who's in a supervisory role, that you might have a, com a compositing supervisor on the show, but you might also have compositing leads. And the difference there would be that, you know, the leads are, uh, they're artists and they're members of the team and they're actively working on shots and have the sort of the, the, the knowledge about how those sequences are being achieved. But sometimes on a very busy show with lots and lots of shots, the supervisors, have just, just, there's too many shots and not enough hours in the day. So you're spending nearly all of your time in dailies and meetings and just giving sort of creative and technical feedback. And what you actually need is, you know, as part of the super, supervisory hierarchy, these people who have, can take responsibility for a certain amount of shots but are actively doing the work as well. And that's really what, you know, the definition of a lead within ILM. Thanks, Jules. Um, so I'm gonna pick one more out of that because uh, ironically through all, the, all of your answers, there are even more roles that came out of that. And I'm like, man, we'd have an old episode on like, what a texture artist does. And, but um, uh, James at the third floor, you mentioned uh, pre-biz. And that gets handed around quite a lot. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't know what that means. You know what? It's, it's funny as well. When I try and tell my family what I do, it's a, it's a hard one to kind of explain. Um, what is previs? Um, I mean, the short term, like I said, it's, it's the process of visualizing a project from the very start. It kind of, we, we are able to help choreograph and plan sequences for films and obviously VFX um, across all forms of media, whether it's TV, film, 
even video games and even stuff like theme park rides and obviously like VR. Um, but obviously with previous, obviously, because we used to call ourselves a pre-visualization studio, but we changed it to visualization because it's a broader term for what we do. Because obviously we do obviously previs, we do uh, tech viz, which basically when we do the previs, we can run like a technical analysis of a, a shot or a sequence. So it helps them physically be able to shoot the sequence or the shot. Mm -hmm. So we can give them the camera lens data, the camera distances, how big a green screen they need, basically a blueprint for the production um, of whether it's going to be on a real set or it's going to be on location. Um, and then on top of that, we also have uh, obviously post-vis, which so after production, we combine the previs elements with the live action plates. Um, to preview the film before implementing the final VFX. So usually when we do that stage, which we did on Spider-Man, obviously that was with our team in LA. Mm. Um, they would spend a long time, six to nine months doing the posters. And that would then go to directors, obviously an editorial. They use it for test screenings to see if everything's working. And a lot of the time now that poster obviously goes to the VFX, obviously the, the, the finals. Um, and that kind of determines how they want the look of the film to be. Um, so it, like I said, I'm sorry, and that's quite a long-winded answer. Okay. Um, so, hi for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it, is, it is hard because I don't want to just say like previs because there's so much more to previs. Um, and that's why, like, like, like I said, we call it visualization. But previs is, is really a key component. It's, it's, like, it's like before there were only storyboards. Now you have previs, which is an animated version of the storyboard where on set, everyone looks at the previs like the Bible because sometimes the show has that much previsualization that everyone look at it from the costume designer to know what kind of shots they have. So from the production designer, what kind of set they need to build. So the previs is like the Bible on set where everyone looks before it was storyboard most of the time now on these big vfx movies the previs everyone looks at it and they try sometimes the second unit supervisor just look at the previs which was directed by the, the first unit director and trying to match exactly that and i think for us in vfx it's the same we use that as as a bible and actually there is a very famous joke which we get a lot, which is match the previous. Yeah, I was waiting because for that, yeah. Exactly, because a lot of time, we, we try to be creative and we try to bring new ideas, but there were already a lot of discussion involving the previous studio and the director. And so when we jump in and we start changing the animation and changing the camera, I say, to match the previous first, match the previous. I think that there's a rude version of that, match the F previous. I, I, sh anyway. I should have uh, worn my t-shirt, which says match the previous. <laughs> but, but, no, but it's true though, because it's such like a, like with like what you were saying about matching the previous, I think one of my favorite parts about it is it's such a creative role. Obviously we are basically like, like you said, creating 3D versions of storyboards. Mm -hmm. And it is essentially the blueprint for the film um, in all its entirety. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's a great thing to be involved with. And like I said, I don't think I will ever change my job role. I, I love it that much. So you're in it for life now. I am in it for life now. Yeah, I was, I was 21 when I joined it and I'm nearly 30. So yeah, it's, it's going to be hard to leave. <laughs> no, it's downhill now after your... It's all downhill. ...on, on Spider-Man Far From Home. Um, I'm going to ask one more question because I could do this all night, right? Is, um, so, Paul, you mentioned creative director. So, if, the, if we've just learned now that the VFX suit and leads creatively oversee and are kind of the, um, the creative start, start point, and everybody's mentioned creativity a lot, what on earth yeah. does the creative director do? Well, I suppose I'm also a previous supervisor, so I do what, uh, what we've just been talking about. Yeah. But the company as a whole, uh, and probably all the, all the other companies we're, we're talking about here, they have multiple projects with multiple supervisors across them. And then I suppose the, them, there's a, the, 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 what I do at my company is ensure that the, there's consistency across all the projects that we're working on in terms of output. So that might be in, uh, I don't know, utilizing a new bit of software or saying we should try this out, trying some new looks out, making sure there's consistency as much as possible because previous can be, it has, has to think on its feet. You have to be, you have to be changeable, but trying to steer the company in and the supervisors in a direction, which is going to be good for everyone. So I think that's what, that's what creative director role is, is at our company anyway. 
Nice one, thank you, Paul. So we're, we're gathered, um, we're gathered here today, I feel very, I'm very, um, very church-like, but um, we, we're here to talk about the Tweet Along, um, the, the, the Far From Home Tweet Along, obviously, thank you for, for, for volunteering your time. So I wanted to ask kind of you the question, kind of why are you involved? Uh, why do you want to do it? Because, you know, Tweet Alongs are a lot of work, there's a lot of, you know, real-time social media action, right? So, you know, why did you want to get involved with this, this event? Let me just take that one. Well, I'll go first. Um, well, uh, to be honest, we, um, both myself uh, and ILM um, London, which is where we did all the, all the work on um, Spider-Man Far From Home, um, as soon as the offer came in, really, we were asked if we were interested. It sounded like a great opportunity, and so we, we, we jumped at it. I mean, I am fairly active on Twitter anyway, so it's just a good excuse to um, uh, put out lots and lots of tweets, you know, blatant sort of self-promotion and whatnot. Um, but no, I think the, what it is, it's just a really good cause. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully, if, you know, if people find it interesting, it's good to offer a bit of in insight into some of the, you know, the work that goes on behind the scenes. And particularly for some of our work, what I intend to talk about is, is perhaps give a bit of an insight into some departments that sometimes don't get a, a, a lot of amount of credit or press. So, for example, the charity event sequence where we did a fully CGI inspired suit that Peter West drew out spends half the sequence with the helmet off. That required a really, really extensive process called match anim, match animation or, or body tracking, which I'll talk a little bit more in detail on the nights of the films and things, but it's, it's a very, very painstaking process. It requires, you know, every single joint, every single sort of fingertip, every, every joint position to all be perfectly lined up uh, frame by frame. Um, uh, you know, and so, the, but the departments that carry out that kind of work often don't really get a bit of the chance to have their work uh, focused in a spotlight so it's, it, that's part of the motivation for me is to really give us a give a little bit of a, a tip of the hat to some of the departments there. so those such as layout and roto paint who you know did some amazing work for us on, uh, on spider-man great shout so the unsung heroes uh, yeah. live in london right any any joining you on the tweet along have you got any members of your team who are well, yeah there's a couple of people so there's a guy called kyle figgins who was one of our lead animators um, and he's a lifelong Spider-Man fan, and it, it basically it was a dream come true for him. So I'm sure he's going to have some real, real passion is going to come out when he starts talking about some of the some of the shots that we really picked up the ball from previous and ran with on the New York swinging tree in New York, where we kind of matched the previous, but then added in all those little additional flourishes. Mm. Um, and that, a lot of that was Kyle's work. So he'll be talking a lot about that. And also Sarah Deshot, who was our Roto paint lead on the show. Um, and they're the guys who sort of do all the painstaking rig removals um, and things like that. So um, she will, uh, she's actually joined Twitter especially to talk about it, but she's, she's, she's a, a real fantastic ambassador for the company. So I'm looking forward to what she's, what's, what she's got to say as well. So you've got an avid like, veteran tweeter like you, Jules, and then a, a, yeah. a, a novice. Um, you'll, I'm sure you'll find a feed tweeting along for like however long the film. How long is it? Like a couple of hours, right? Two, two hours. Yeah. The thing is though, like, I think uh, I might look like the type of person that is very like savvy on Twitter and I'm not <laughs> at all. I will be honest, like I had a Twitter account for like eight years and probably did about two tweets on it. Um, so, but I am like going to try and take this seriously in terms of like, I do want to start trying to get into Twitter. And for me, this will be yeah, the first ever like kind of Twitter uh, watch along of a movie. Um, mm -hmm. But I think soon as we got the call through that obviously especially for the cause obviously as we know 2020 has been a it's been a rough ride for a lot of people a lot of families and i think when you get the opportunity to talk about the job you love on a film that you loved working on and it goes to a good cause i think there's no way you can say no to something like that i think it's really important um but also as well obviously working at the third floor it's a fantastic company that i don't ever see myself going anywhere else it's like a second home to me. And I really want to put a spotlight on previs and visualization. Because I find like when you're in the industry, people know what it is. But for someone who like when I was at university, I know it wasn't as big back then, but even still, people don't really know what it is. And it's kind of a bit of a taboo, whether it's like, is it real animation, et cetera, like that. But I think for me coming out of university, we very much always hammered home the whole specialise in a particular area, whether it's animation, whether it's compositing. And I found that quite hard to begin with because 
I came out of university as a generalist. Mm. I wasn't really anything. I was kind of just, I just enjoyed doing a bit of everything. And obviously I fell into the third floor and it was a dream come true. I got to do everything I wanted to do creatively. Mm. Um, and they've obviously given me that. So I think to be able to use this watch along to obviously showcase some of our previs from the film, which obviously, of course, there's some incredible moments across the multiple sequences we, work, we worked on. Um, I think, yeah, I just think there's no way we could have said no, and I'm glad that we could be, be a part of it. Thank you. No worries, and I think it's a, it's a great, I mean, the, even getting access VFX involved, I mean, that's really, we, we stand for creating opportunity for people, and the, the charity piece aside, which is an obvious draw, and uh, we're big supporters of, uh, of the charity, uh, it just felt like a really original idea to have a, a film play out like Spy. And we've had this uh, Far From Home on, we've played the, uh, the breakdown, a lot of Axis VFX events, because uh, it's a great breakdown um, that got pulled together by, by Framestore, actually, which was um, covered everything from environments through to, you know, concept art, the whole, whole shebang. So uh, it feels only right to have this kind of live experience where you find out about roles in industry while you watch, the, watch a film. I mean, it, it takes the kind of old school DVD kind of commentary to the next level, really. But I love that it's in, in real time, for sure. But um, yeah, I'm excited to hear about uh, a lot of the anecdotes that will come out of it. We'll get to that in a bit. So, uh, uh, Paul, why, why did you jump at the chance of getting involved? I mean, the same reasons the other guys, really. It's, it's like, it seems like such a good, good thing to be supporting. It's fun to talk about our work. And it feels like, that you know, people need, people have really been hit hard in the last few months particularly people in the in the vfx world you know a hell of a lot of people out there are freelancers a hell of a lot of people i know are not working and you know we, i think everyone's trying to their very hardest to do anything they can at the moment for for charities that they feel are, are, are you know are close to that to their heart so yeah of course you know absolutely we're going to do it 100 percent when we're asked no brainer, thank you. And I'm, I'm not much, not much good on Twitter either, so. I was going to ask what people expect from your, uh, your Twitter prowess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. Alexis, what about you? What, what drew you to the uh, Well, I think everyone said every single already. I think it's mainly about the cause. I think, uh, well, I think trying to, to give a bit of uh, what, what we can for the cause. Uh, and I think uh, I'm, I'm the same. I'm really not a Twitter uh, pro, so I'll, I'll try to copy Jules, whatever you write, or try to, to do something like that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's mainly for the cause. Uh, and yeah, no, you cannot say no. And Spidey was a, a great project for us to work on. As you said, uh, we did a cool breakdown as well, just because we really enjoyed it. So that's why we wanted to showcase it. And I think being able to showcase it even more and give some insight information of what we've done and all of that. I think it's going to be really interesting. It's a very first time for me, which I, again, it's adding to the, to, to the interest because I never done it before. So I'm looking forward. So we talked a bit about kind of uh, shouting out the unsung heroes on the film. I'm interested to kind of hear from you guys as to what the, what part of the movie are you most excited to come? You know, when you're watching a film and you're waiting for your moment to come in with the absolute gold dust tweets, you know, whether it be a funny story or um, something that happened that you know, was amazing. I mean, what, what, what moments in the film are you particularly looking forward to getting your tweet on? <laughs> well, I guess I've got a couple of funny stories, really, from the shoot, actually, which was um, one that was, you know, for the, the charity event um, when Peter and Aunt May have organised this sort of fundraiser for the, the people who've been made homeless. And that was all shot at uh, York Hall in Bethnal Green. Um, doubling up for a, a community centre in Queens in New York. But um, it was actually shot, I think it was the day before England were playing in the World Cup. Um, and so there was this crowd of extras that they were supposed to, you know, wanting to get hyped up, all excited to, before they shot the scenes of these extras meeting Spider-Man. And so uh, Tom Holland actually warmed up the crowd himself by leading a chorus of three lions from the stage. So got the whole, all the extras singing, it's coming <laughs> home. So that was quite cool. Uh, and then I guess another one is how I achieved a little bit of sort of internet fame or no, notoriety, or rather the back of my head did, which was that when we were shooting in New York, uh, outside Madison Square Garden, uh, we purely coincidentally positioned the VFX car right next to the little tent that Tom Holland was using to get changed in. Um, and over the course of the morning, hundreds and almost thousands of, of young teenage girls who were all fans of Tom, all turned up on the post office steps and were all taking photographs. 
and over the space of a, about two hours, the back of my head appeared in about 10,000 Instagram posts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Top that. How about you, Alexis? What's, uh, what are you looking for? What particular moment in the film are you looking forward to, uh, to tweet about? Well, it's tricky because we have a sequence that is very condensed at Framestore, which is the Illusion Battle. It's, it's like probably, I don't know, seven minutes long, maybe. I don't even know how long it is. So it's, it's quite condensed and it's mostly full CG. I think, I think that's, that's what you don't realize at all. It's like, like some shots, which they could have shot, but they didn't shot just because the sequence changed so drastically along, along the project that we ended up, well, this sequence could have been shot, but let's do it full CG just because, well, it's more cost efficient. We don't have to come back to. So I think, I think it's mainly on the whole sequence. There is one, one moment that they shot, and we of course replaced everything, which was into a graveyard. I was not there on set, but when we received the plate, the first thing that um, Yannick Sears, our VFX production site, told us. So the snow, it's, it's at, at some point, Spider-Man is on the a, on a, on snow and he, he ended up into a giant snow globe. And he told us, well, this looks like a giant pile of cocaine, so let's, let's tweak it. So that, that, that's it, that's, that's, that's what Yannick, that's the only plate we received, looked like a giant, giant pile of cocaine. So we said, well, let's, let's do proper snow. So, so that's it, I, I, think, I think the whole sequence, there is lots of, uh, of really cool anecdotes that we remember just because, it was such a creative ride where John Watts was sending us crazy ideas all the time, movie references, different stuff from websites. There is a, an image from a website he sent us that is written, everythingisterrible.com. So the reference was just not great, but we just to interpret it in the best way. I think it was, it was really a fun ride. So I think, yeah, I'm looking forward for the whole sequence, basically. Okay. Um, what about uh, James? You talked about at the start of our episode that you were, this is your best experience today. Like, the, the, could be, could be, it could be it for you, career-wise. I'll tell you what; it would, it would definitely be hard to beat. I mean, obviously, it was 2018. It was some. It was the hottest summer we've ever had. The World Cup was on. England were doing well, so it was definitely a, a good time to uh, to be alive. And obviously, as a big Spider-Man fan, to be there, especially on a Spider-Man film that you obviously have a lot of passion for, especially after the great film that was Homecoming. Hmm. Um, and obviously Tom Holland is an incredible Peter Parker, he's an incredible Spider-Man. So it was always exciting to kind of get stuck into. Um, but I'd probably say it was exciting from the front of, it's always fun when you get to be on site, obviously when you get to be at the studio when they're filming. Because obviously, especially when we're pre-visiting as we go, we're working on these sequences and then we go down to set and we see them match it. And to see the real sets like such as Venice, like Venice is probably one of the most incredible sets I've ever seen on a, on a film studio. Um, the, the level of detail they went to and the, the scale was second to none. Mm. Um, but I probably, I don't know, I, I just enjoyed it because I think one of the first things that John Watts said um, for, for our previous was, he wants Spider-Man to do things that he's never done before, ever. And we were like, oh boy, like, I mean, where do you begin when you think of the history of Spider-Man with comics, TV series, films, what hasn't he done? Mm. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges we actually had in this film was we're so used to seeing Spider-Man in a New York environment, using high-rise buildings to swing around and fight, etc. When you're in Prague and uh, Venice and even London, London doesn't actually have that many high-rise buildings, especially by the river. Um, so you have to kind of choreograph a completely new and inventive approach to his movement and mobility to kind of make it all feel, still feel like Spider-Man. So I would say that was, that was actually one of the biggest challenges, but also one of the most exciting things about the film, which is why you have these moments, like we previews, obviously the Hydra Man fight, and when he's jumping on the gondola poles um, and jumping onto the boat and going up, like it almost has to have a parkour kind of uh, feel to it. Um, but I think on the night when we start tweeting, I think the bits that I will particularly get excited about is, is London, purely because that's the sequence I was mainly leading on. So mm. everything to do with London Bridge and obviously all the swinging, the drones, the fighting, the illusion stuff, I think, yeah, that was definitely, uh, definitely a lot to take on, but fun nonetheless. But we had an incredible team. And one thing I do want to mention is, we talk about the artists and obviously all the work they put in, but these shows wouldn't be able to run without good coordinators as well. 
yeah. and we had a fantastic coordinator in Kat who was pretty, pretty much without her, we couldn't have done it. Yeah. She was there to help us get through everything and she always made sure we knew what we were doing at the right time. And like I said, massive thanks to her and the job that she did. Will Kat be joining the tweet along? Oh, I'll make sure she is. I'm sure she's active on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. There are plenty of props. I'm sure she'll get involved for sure. What I'm finding really interesting about this particular conversation is all about, it's, you know, we talked a lot about creativity at the start of the episode. And creativity is all about problem solving, right, and solutions. And I think that people are going to be really interested to hear these kind of stories about, you know, like London. There's not, you can't, Spider-Man can't swing around like he's used to, right, uh, in, in New York. It's, uh, it's London, right? So, yeah, exactly. It's, I, you know, those kind of challenges i think will be really interested to give people that kind of oversight what about you paul what's uh, as, as our my body most reluctant tweeter you know i mean what, i mean uh, I, the, the changes thing is the is the interesting thing about mainly about the sequence that myself and alexis did is that we started and we 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 were changing everything about that sequence pretty much every two or three days like where it was going to be set wow. where the different areas he was going to go to. I mean, it went through so many iterations. I've never done anything quite like it before. I mean, I've been doing previews for 20 years, I think. I've never, ever done a sequence that's had so many changes so quickly as that. And that's really interesting. And then what Frank sort of did afterwards is, is took what we'd done and mostly reinvented all of that as well. So I can be tweeting along of this, this, <laughs> this scene was like crazy. It really was nuts. Never done anything like it. And that was, that's the most fun part about it. It's like if, if literally every other day, Yannick would be like, we're not going to be in a desert anymore. We're going to be in a German train station for this bit. No, we're not. We're going to be, uh, you know, this um, derelict mills building. Oh, no, we're not going to be there anymore. Oh, no, we are going to be there. But, if, yeah. you know, just changing stuff so, so quickly, which you can do, if, you know, when it's, when it's previous. Yeah. So much fun, and which, which you cannot do in VFX as exactly. easily, and we still had to do it, which was even more fun, Paul. Because usually, when we arrive in VFX, Paul has done his work and it looks amazing, which it was. Proof previous was looking great, and we were, we were okay. Let's take that and let's take that as a Bible, as we were saying, because that's usually what it is. It's you start from there. But, uh, but not on that show, no, not on that show. After, after, the first, after the first screening, you know, they do test screening with, uh, with well, with, with, uh, with Marvel, with, uh, with sometimes test audience. They love the sequence so much, the illusion battle, that they say, well, let's plus it, let's make it more, let's change it, let's, let's make it evolve. And, and, and so that's why the sequence kept changing up until, I don't know, a month and a half before delivery, which was, which was insane just because it's a lot of work to do in such a in such a short amount of time. But exactly like Paul was saying, we we redid a lot. Some 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 bits were fully done. Like there were a sequence where we had a giant spider into a giant spider web attacking Spider-Man, which was fully done at a certain level and then got dropped. Which to be fair, it's even worse for Jules, which apparently there is. But at least it's on the Blu-ray. It's not oh, yeah. even on yeah. the Blu-ray for us. <laughs> On that note, actually, that's probably one of the uh, one of the worst things I've ever had to do as a VFX zoo was go around, and I made I made sure I did this personally because I, I just felt so bad that all our web shots in that the restaurant fight sequence, which got cut from the movie, were all developed and done by one guy, and that was his job for like three months <laughs> build that whole setup, and and so you know there were various changes as the sequence went along and, and you know the choreography changed and things like that so he was having to redesign the setup and build these these you know these incredibly complex web simulation setups um, and it was a real labor of love he, you know he almost pulled a few all-nighters to, to deliver shots for trailer and things like that um, so when Yannick called me to say look I've got some really bad news the, the sequence is out of the movie I just felt that I had to go and personally personally sort of put my hand on this guy's shoulder and tell him um, so the fact that it did ultimately get shown uh, in cinemas and on the Blu-ray, so it is available for him to use in his showreel, etc. Also, <laughs> that was a saving grace of the whole thing. So uh, on the night, um, if people or, or the day, depending on what time zone you're in, um, people like what they hear. So it sounds like there's going to be a lot of information sharing that you're going to people are going to find a lot about <coughs> roles, particularly in a big show like like uh, this particular film. Um, so people like what they, they hear, how can they start, let's say that they're completely entry level, how do they start to forge a, a, a career 
like the, the ones that you're successfully pursuing? I mean, what, what, what kind of tips would you be able to throw out there to people who might want to follow up or might want to do something about it once they've experienced the tweet a lot? I would say going off my own experience of obviously getting into the industry, because um, I, I, I graduated in 2012, but I actually found it extremely hard in school because I feel like teachers don't know enough about this industry, how to tailor for it and how to get into it. Like when I would tell people at school, oh, I want to go into film, they almost laugh at you because it's almost like, it's like a dream kind of job. Mm. And I think for most people, like I said, I think we all had to do our, on our own backs. We almost had to find our own way in and learn about all this information um, on our own. I would say personally, it's a case of you really want to do this job. Like I said, all the information is out there on the internet to obviously learn from um, and kind of forge a career in it. And I think staying in touch and t- um, doing talks and um, like Zoom calls and stuff like that is a great way to kind of meet industry people and kind of give them a good idea of like a kind of like a path. Cause I feel like there's no, there's no direct path yeah. for, for anyone. I think everyone's had their own way into the industry. Um, like, like, like for me, obviously I started as a runner and mm. let's be honest, runners not, it's not a fun job. It's a, it's, it's, it's a pretty horrible job because you're essentially almost like you, you almost feel like a bit of like a, like a tea, a tea, a tea person. You just obviously go around, obviously feeding, cleaning, and doing those kind of jobs that you don't necessarily want to do, but you're willing to do it because it's your, it's your into your dream job, hopefully. And so I think, yeah, I think it's kind of we can use Twitter for people to connect with us and ask us any questions, and we can give them any advice to help them on their way. I think it's it's vital. So kind of connecting with you guys potentially. Uh, after would you be open to that am i yeah. asking leading question yeah, of course yeah <laughs> excellent stitched you up a bit there guys sorry <laughs> um so uh, any other kind of advice for people i mean the running point is interesting anybody, anybody want to build on uh, some of the benefits of coming in as a runner i did it as well but i, did, I mean i did it after i'd done university which i maybe maybe the same same as you so when it did uh, did animation uh, uh, well did media and animation at bournemouth and then was a runner for quite some time, a couple of different post-production companies. And I don't know, I mean, that was a very long time ago and there's probably different paths in as well as that now, but that was pretty much the only way in when I was, when I was doing it, unless you came out of university with an incredible showreel, which no one did like, you know, yeah. 30 years ago, they just didn't, because you just didn't have, didn't have the equipment. You, you, couldn't, you couldn't get an amazing showreel, you could get some, pretty decent workout but not you know not industry standard mm-hmm. um so yeah for, for me and my mates that we, we did the same course we all did running and we'll worked our way up that way um but i had a sort of fairly interesting route in and uh, visual effects is not my first career i spent 14 years working as a professional dj and record producer so i spent a lot of time in the music industry and then sort of um, realised that being in music is a little bit like being a sportsman. You've only got a limited shelf life. So I, I you know, <laughs> decided to do something else. And I actually, at the time, was a keen gamer. So I, so I went to my local university, Derby University, and did a games design degree. And at the time then, um, all, of the, all of the lecturers had no idea about visual effects, no idea that, that the technology and the techniques that they were teaching, actually there was a whole other industry out there that, that they were just not promoting at all. Um, and the only reason I got into it, actually, um, was via a, a, a lifelong friend of mine who I gather is a mutual friend of Alexis, which is John Moffat. Yeah, yes, so I he, just he, worked he, with him for, yeah. for, for, for <laughs> a whole project. We just did the Wonder Woman together. Yeah, yeah. So he basically at the time was a, was a fairly junior artist at Double Negative. And he, when I was finishing up at university, pulled some strings to get me two weeks, two weeks of work experience. That's all they'd give me. They wouldn't give, give away any internship or anything like that. Wouldn't even look at a showreel. Um, but they said they'd give away two weeks of work experience. And I thought I really all I was going to be doing was making tea or coffee or something. But they let me go on a box. And luckily, after two weeks, I got hired. And, um, you know, here we are now. Yeah. Based on my experiences, I, I sort of make it a bit of a personal mission to try and promote, to, you know, to to the industry, to people who wouldn't realize it was there. So I do quite a lot of talks at schools and film festivals and things like that about just, you know, trying to, you know, put it on, on kids' radar that there is, there's a whole career out here that um, 
so far we've not done a great deal of promoting, to be honest, and it, it's time we sort of uh, up the ante there. And it's why why Access VFX exists really is that the, creating that visibility of careers in visual effects animation and games because it is not pushed in schools by teachers, <coughs> advisors, even parents, and it's often not seen as a proper job in certain certain parts of the world by parents. You know, I'm gonna you know I want to be a visual effects artist when I grow up, and you know, no, you're not going to be a doctor or a lawyer, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, well, people, people, that, that, uh, sorry, that was the case for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the case for me. Yeah, I think I think well, I think it's slightly different from from the other one because in well, at first in Paris there is not such a thing as runner in France. Mm. It doesn't exist. You don't have that. You have internship or work, but you don't have runner. Which I think runner here in the UK is a, even if it could be slightly painful as a job. I we, I worked now with a lot of runners from so it's it's still uh, still mm. there, there are a lot of them and some of them are amazing artists and you get to know them as they, they are runners. And I, I remember on a, on a project I did with, with Jill, actually, Geostorm, I was looking for a, for a modeler and we didn't have any more modeler and we needed additional modelers. And I, I just sent an email to all the runners saying, with, with a modeler out of the, uh, the running department and they all sent their showreel and, and we took one on board that is still working at Framestore and is uh, now uh, a lot more senior than he was. So I think it's, uh, I think it's still a way, but for me in France, was a lot trickier because the industry is quite small in France and uh, and you don't have that to enter. So you, I was sending millions of emails to all the company in France and received the total answer of, I think I received one answer saying, you, you, it's the wrong company, you know, because I was copy pasting my email and saying, and changing just <laughs> the name of the company and I got it wrong on one email. So that's the one answer I got was it's the wrong company. Uh, so it was really tricky and I ended up because a lot of friends were working in, were doing a year in Spain, you know, Erasmus, which was a, a program you could, uh, you, could, you could go and study somewhere else. And a lot of my friends were doing that in Spain. I said, well, you know what? I'll send an email to a company in Spain, take the name of the boss of the company and say I come from him. So I send an email, say I come from the boss of the company and I got hired to, to do an internship and that's how I started in Madrid. I worked like six, seven months there and, and then I, it was easier with a showreel to get a job. But I think in terms of career advice, I would say, I would say it's different. I, I, Sometimes I would say you need to be specialist and you need to go and know a domain really well. If you know animation really well, or if you know modeling really, really well, it's going to be easier because the one that recruits, I can say, well, you can put yourself in a case, okay, he's a modeler and do we have a job for a junior modeler? And, and then you, you get more easier job. But at the same time, I would also advise to be curious on a more generalist front. Even if you focus on one domain, still look at everything, be curious, uh, real life, especially in the world of VFX, which we are all discussing. It's not like animated movie. It's like we are trying to match real. I know it's different for James and Paul because they are doing previs, but but still, they are doing real cinematography, even if it looks uh, CG, it's real cinematography, so it's real movies. And mm. for us, for, for Jules and I, it's, it needs to match the real. So I think be curious, try to ask feedback on your work because we, we, it's an industry about feedbacks. And I think you need, to be, you need to share your work and ask feedback and try to progress and try to move on. I think that's, uh, that's the best uh, advice. I think don't hesitate to share, ask feedback, look at the real world, find references. References are key. I'm sure Jules would agree that a good submission is a submission with references that's, that you say, I took that from that and that from that because, well, there is no better thing than real life, you know? Like even for some crazy effects, we always do a mixture of real life element. So I think that's looking at real life stuff. YouTube is your friend. Google is your friend, definitely. Completely, I, I completely agree with everything you just said there. I think it's... I think my, if I could add to that, my one thing would be to any students or obviously younger, obviously um, school, um, just don't give up would be a thing for me um, because I think it's very easy to, when you come out of university, there is no guarantee of a job. Like, I think a lot of people go to university thinking, I'm going to come out and I'm going to walk into a job. And I remember when I left university, so I did quite well in my degree. I was quite happy with my showreel. Not anymore. I, got, I, I refuse to look at it now. Um, I applied to probably, honestly, about 50 companies. I heard back from one. And that happened to be Framestore. And obviously for me, they were one of my top choices to go to. So it worked out. And going back to like the whole runner position, 
yes, at the time, can runner positions be maybe improved upon? Yes. But if it wasn't for doing that runner position, you know, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to run for frame store and the third floor, which is how I got my foot in the door and I am where I am today. So I think no matter what you do, it's a case of if you have to take a step that's probably not necessarily your desired path to get into the industry, you are willing to do it and take the risk because the reward is far greater if you do so. Yeah, really good advice. Now, I'm very aware we're up against time. I mean, these, these episodes fly by. I mean, that was a really rich conversation, actually. I mean, I, I learned a lot, and um, I think it's a nice teaser for the, uh, the tweet along. Um, is it worth people following you guys on your, your social channels, or do you want to save that for the, for the night? What do you reckon? Should you put them out there now? You're more than welcome to. My personal Twitter feed contains not only visual effects related stuff, but sometimes sort of a little bit of humour and political ranting as well. So I will, I will warn people about that. Excellent. Well, we'll make sure the, um, the, uh, the Twitter handles of these, these fine gentlemen will be in the, uh, the, blur, the podcast blurb when you, uh, when you listen to this, for sure. Um, so I wanted to say a big thank you to, to all four of you, actually. Thank you, Alexis, Jules, James and, and Paul. Um, Again, this is in as a, a teaser for the event. And I should, before we wrap up, just remind people how to donate. It's always good practice to top and tail uh, these things. So again, this is very much an event that's great for kind of um, advice and forging a career and, and just getting the inside scoop on, on a film such as uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. But the, the main vehicle for this is, um, is it's a charity event for the, uh, for the film and TV charity. So if you'd like to donate, please text FILM to 70507. That's FILM, all in capitals, to 70507. We're only asking for five, a five pound uh, donation and it goes straight to the, uh, the film and TV charity. They get 100% of the donation and you'll just be charged five pound plus the usual standard rates of, of your mobile phone provider. So I don't do this a lot. I'm not very good at wrapping up podcasts, as you can probably tell. Um, I should also probably throw in the hashtag that's being used for the event as well. So this podcast goes live on, on Friday when we'll be really pushing this out. So um, as a reminder, the event happens on the 6th of August at seven o'clock British summertime. And the hashtag is you can't trick me. That's hashtag you can't trick me. Um, so that's it for another Access VFX podcast. Um, I think we've had enough excellent final words uh, here uh, with that careers advice. So thank you, gentlemen. And please tune in for the tweet along because uh, there'll be a lot more elaboration on what we've discussed. Um, we don't want to push too much out because then people won't tune in, right? So um, I hope that's enough. And I hope that was a good use of your time as well, gents. So thank you for thank you. an hour. Thank you very much. Your uh, Monday evening. Um, so stay tuned and uh, yeah, we'll... I'll be watching from the skies uh, on, on the watch along for sure. I'll be getting involved. So uh, thanks and uh, have a good evening. Man. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. End of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening and until next time, bye.